0: Why are laws failing to protect women from violence, and what is being done to change this? Join us as we explore these questions and more. This is Spotlight, Justice for Women, a podcast from the Wilson Center.
1: Justicia para las mujeres Las leyes no son suficientes Hi, I'm Olivia Soledad, a program assistant with the Wilson Center's Mexico Institute and your host for this episode. Our series starts with a closer look at the challenges women in Latin America face in accessing justice after experiencing violence. In this episode, we discuss policy solutions in Mexico, which saw a record number of femicides in 2019 and continues to struggle to protect women in the country. We are joined by Isabel Erreguarena, who serves as the Public Policy Coordinator for X Justicia para las Mujeres, a civil society feminist organization in Mexico that works to protect human rights for women. Isabel, thank you so much for joining us today. To start, could you tell us a little bit more about the mission of your organization? Of course. Um, I'm the
0: public policies coordinator of X Justicia para las Mujeres, a feminist organization that works access to justice for all women. This means women from different groups, indigenous, trans, all kinds of women, and access to justice more, more than access to tribunals or courts. That's what we work.
1: And what does the current situation look like for women in Mexico? And what are the sorts of barriers they face when seeking justice after experiencing violence?
0: Of course. Uh, When you see the numbers and the statistics related to violence for women, you see that the first first reason that women do not go to, to to denounce violence is because they don't know where. So there is a problem of lack of information to know where to denounce when you are a victim of violence. The second reason that women report that they don't go to institutions to report uh, violence is because they are afraid of what they are going to face. This takes us to two issues. One is protection orders that in Mexico we have to work with them. And the second one is the attitude of the institutions that many times re-victimize them and
1: use a stereotype. Talk to us a little bit more about these protection orders, um, which are judicial orders used by courts to protect a person in a dangerous or even violent situation in some cases. What's not working with these or the process to obtain them as it should?
0: Protection orders should be Emitted by when women come and ask for them. Now, and and they are not working as they should. Nowadays, we have cases where a woman asks for a protection order and this order was issued 12, um, it was issued 18 uh, months later. So, first of all, they are not issued in the precise moment where they are needed, and the second one is the implementation. Many of them are not implemented, so many women that are victims of violence are attacked by the uh, people that they denounce.
1: In creating comprehensive policy solutions, I know that access to reliable and accurate data is crucial. What are some of the patterns you've observed in data measuring violence against women in Mexico, and are there any gaps in the data that you've identified?
0: Yes, um, it's really important to see the data, first what they tell us and then the lack of information. Something that has to be told is that the, pat- the patterns of violence in Mexico has changed. We have seen that over the years there's a constant Violence that occurs for women that is that are at home. You can see that all public policies or legislation have not worked. This is a constant violence, but we see a different kind of violence. That is the violence that started in 2007 with the war on drugs. That women start to be killed more in 2009 in the public space, and they are being killed with with firearms, and they are killed in the same places that men are killed by the organized crime. So this is one of the issues that has to be named, so we create public policies and institutions that can face these two kinds of violence. The other thing is that we don't have information of the context of women. This means, who are the women that face the violence? Is not the same a woman in the city that an indigenous woman the violence that they face. So we need more information of the context that and the identity of the women of women that face violence. Um, another thing that we have seen is that you cannot follow the cases. You have uh, census that work in in the part of that you go with the um, prosecutor Mm -hmm. and a census of judges. You cannot follow up what happens in one case. That takes me to the other topic that X has been working for several years, and it is to make public all the judgments of judges and all resolutions. Because with this, first of all, judges know that they are being seen by people, their decisions. And second, we can know the patterns on how violence happens in Mexico for women, and how feminicides happen, how they are being punished, and by which sanctions.
1: So how then is the current level of transparency related to court decisions or sentencings look like, and how does it need to change?
0: Yes, we have the general law of information in Mexico that established that only judgments that are for public interest are public. This is really problematic because there are states that haven't published any judgment in two years. So we have pushed with the colectivo... La Red por la Ciudadanización de la Justicia, that this law has to be changed, mm-hmm. so all judgments are
1: public. So the aim now becomes achieving a standardized way of ensuring the public has access to these sentencings and that this access is not dependent on the discretion of each individual judge? Exactly. We believe that all resolutions
0: and all judgments in, the, in a public way, this means protecting private data, should be public.
1: Okay, now I would like to go back um, to something you touched on earlier when you mentioned that not everyone is properly informed on how to embark on a judicial process when seeking justice for a violent crime. So how does this process generally look like for a woman who is about to issue a complaint?
0: Well they go to the prosecutor office and many times the prosecutor says that they have they, they don't do not have enough proof to to accuse the the person that perpetrated the violence <laughs> um that is why many times you have to go with a lawyer so they ask for doing some um some adjustments to the procedure so you are not re-victimized.
1: Okay, Um, now I would like to hear your thoughts on the mass mobilization that Mexico has seen in relation to the feminist cause lately. Um, Today, just for context, is March 10th, which is two days after International Women's Day, where women took to the streets in massive numbers in numerous cities across the country to protest violence against women in Mexico. And we are here just one day after the national strike where women in Mexico were asked to stay at home and not go to work, basically not participate in any activities in order for the country to experience what their absence would really feel like with the same purpose of calling attention to the violence that they experience as well as the deep impacts that this violence has, not only socially, but also economically. So what sorts of impacts do you see um, that these events will have. Great.
0: I do believe that it shows how all of us are really, we don't want any more violence. This, we can hear all of us are know of someone that was a victim of violence, so we are tired of this. And this has mobilized a lot of women. I was in the protest, and I could see a lot of women with different, from different ages, from different social uh classes we came together to ask for a solution so i do believe that we are and the protest was really amazing like you couldn't see people in the streets you couldn't see people in the restaurants you could see uh, pictures of offices that were empty so um and you could see in all the tv shows how they were saying they are changing the debate they are not using stereotypes they are Really taking this serious in the so in in the public media, so I do believe we are changing the the public debate, we are changing the narrative, we are changing the way women's rights are seen, and I hope this is translated to changes also in the institutions and in society.
1: Yes, I was also fortunate enough to be in Mexico City for the protests on International Women's Day. And as you said, it was clear that thousands of women felt very strongly about this cause and really wanting to see change being made in their country, which brings me to my next question, which is what sorts of realistic practical changes aimed at improving the situation for women in Mexico can we expect to see? I do
0: believe that uh, public policies that exist, like the Women's Centers for Justice, Mm -hmm. um, that are a place where it's like one-step center where you have different services like law service, um, health service, um, services for um, economic benefits, for example. like different workshops and a place to have your kids can be reinforced. Uh, So I do believe it's an opportunity to reinforce, to evaluate the public policies to prevent feminicide, but not only feminicide, all the violence that are before the feminicide.
1: And just to shift gears a little bit, could you tell us about some of the ways Mexico has successfully addressed issues related to the protection of women's rights? What best practices in the country have you observed that you would like for people to know, especially those that are maybe not familiar with gender-based violence or just Mexico generally? I do believe that the Women's Center for Justice is a good example of
0: Seeing justice in a multi-dimensional way, mm-hmm. not only access to justice or the criminal system, but also how they need health services, psychology, um, also empowerment uh, services. So I think that these centers, even though they have to be to have more support and more normative support and resources is a good practice, I think something that other parts in Latin America can see is also to see the judges and ask the judges for accountability and to see the judgments on how they sanction violence for women. Uh, I think these two practices can be taken from other con- to other countries to help prevent fem- feminicide.
1: Well, Isabel, I want to thank you so much for taking the time to talk with us today. I know you have a very busy schedule, and we really appreciated the opportunity to hear more about your work and how the situation looks like for women in Mexico. So thank you again. Thank
0: you for the interview.
1: Thank you for listening to Spotlight Justice for Women, a podcast from the Wilson Center. Be sure to like and subscribe and keep an eye out for upcoming episodes. To learn more about this topic, be sure to also check out the Wilson Center's new project, looking at gender-based violence in Latin America through a rule of law lens at wilsoncenter.org gender-based violence. Until next time, this is Spotlight, Justice for Women. This podcast is brought to you by the Wilson Center, with support from the Center's Brazil Institute, Latin
0: America program, Mexico Institute, and Maternal Health Initiative. Our thanks to Linda Roth, John Tyler, and the rest of the Wilson Center's communications team. Special thanks go to Aaron Jones, who not only produced this podcast, but composed the music. I'm Anya Prusa. Join me and my co-hosts, Beatriz Garcia-Nice and Olivia Soledad next time on Spotlight Justice for
1: Women. Thanks for listening.